The Fed, the FOMO, the fixed income. Here we go. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Glad you are here. Fiduciary advice, comprehensive strategies, empowering education. Great examples this hour, and we're glad you're here. On the way, we're going to talk about the Annex Wealth Management Portfolio Review. It's something we talk a lot about when we say click that Get Started button. We'll talk about our local investment team that looks those things over. Ask Annex is on the way. And then toward the end of the show, net unrealized appreciation. If you've been with a company for a long, long time and you got a bunch of the company stock, it's complicated. We help unwind that. I'm Danny Clayton, Dr. Brian Jacobson, our chief economist in the studio. Welcome. It's great to be here. And Dave Spano, our president and CEO. Welcome to you. Yeah, thanks, Danny. And let's work off of the way you set that up, the Fed and FOMO, FOMO fear of missing out. And now we've had seven weeks in a row of positive returns, really driven by the Fed and their actions. You know, we talked a lot, Brian, about what the Federal Reserve was going to do and that they were probably at the end of their rate hiking schedule. Mm -hmm. And of course, then there's the pivot, which you and I talked about a lot. That sure looks like that's going to happen in 2024. It does. And it's more a question of when as opposed to weather, which is kind of a nice position to be in. Ever since they started hiking back in March of 2022, they were moving at a fast and furious pace. Back in July, we said that that was probably the last hike by the Fed. And really, over the last couple of weeks, Fed officials have come out of the woodwork to reaffirm that they were on pause. And this past week, Chair Powell, he effectively said that they are on pause and they're actually beginning to talk about what would the conditions be for them to actually start cutting rates. So it's rather interesting how they were trying to keep it a bit of a not well-kept secret that they were on pause. And now we're actually thinking about within the next few months, maybe next six months, are they going to start cutting rates? And if they cut rates, of course, that affects everything from stocks and bonds to mortgage rates and credit card rates. And so this surely should get everyone's attention. So let's talk a little bit about what goes into that. When when the Fed starts to cut rates, they're going to look at a number of factors, lower inflation and retail sales being part of that. That's right. And it's actually something that I think has had the Fed in a bit of a pickle as far as why are we seeing such strong consumer spending despite what the Fed has been doing. But thankfully, what's most relevant is the inflation number, because really, they can bring down inflation without hamstringing the economy. And I think that's a key thing. It's something that early on in the hiking cycle, Chair Powell held out as a remote possibility, this soft landing scenario, which is basically what happened back in 1994. It's really the only time in the Fed's history that they were able to hike without causing a recession. They were able to bring inflation lower without having the unemployment rate rise too much. So he kind of held it out there as this remote possibility. And that possibility seems to make Maybe becoming a reality. Well, we'll have to see. You know, we'll see if they do thread the needle, as they like to say, mm-hmm. because it is a rare occurrence that they actually slow the economy down and not cause a recession. So, that folks, you know, I said we weren't going to have a recession in 2023 because we had positive GDP numbers. That doesn't mean that we can't see a slowing Mm -hmm. in 2024 or 2025 because if you look at as many times as they have done it, I don't remember the number, but 15 of the 16 times they've been wrong. So so let's take a look and see if they can get to that soft landing. 
but it certainly seems to be an overcrowded trade. It does. And uh, that's one of the things that has us cautious on our investment committee is when you look at what the market is pricing in, and you can look at this through the federal funds futures contracts through the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. I think they're just now known as CME Group. But they can actually say that the market is pricing in six rate cuts in 2024. The Fed, with their summary of economic projections, they said, hold on, we're only planning on like three. Now, who Who's going to be right? Honestly, I'd rather side with the Fed on this as opposed to the market as far as how many cuts are likely coming in 2024. And let's talk about the bond market for just a second. Not that long ago, we were at 4.9 plus on the 10-year Treasury closed Friday at 3.9%. That is an enormous move. That is. And really, if you think about the bond markets, it was supposed to be such a boring area to be in for most people's portfolios. The last two years, it's been anything but boring. Now that yields are higher, we've actually seen some of that rally in the prices going forward. We don't expect that we'll see those continued rallies. So uh, hopefully you were positioned properly as far as to ride those yields lower. Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano is our President and CEO at Annex Wealth Management. Dave, you ever watch Big Bang Theory? I, I have from time okay. to time. Okay. Brian, you're in the investment committee. <laughs> Please don't take any offense at this. I look at you guys like the Big Bang Theory of Annex Wealth Management. Really smart people. You know, and I can tell you they are smart people, but it also means that you still should have a balanced portfolio, and we're going to talk about that after the break. Good. And then I'm going to tease ahead because we're going to talk about the Annex Wealth Management Portfolio Review because that is the crew that looks mm-hmm. things over. And the other thing is, is they're local. They work for Annex Wealth Management. This is something we don't farm out. More on that in a little bit. That is our Week in Review. You can get it on demand all weekend long as a podcast also at the top of the hour. You can also get it in our Axiom newsletter. If you're not signed up for that, grab that. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Saturday, December 16th. We're going to be right back on 620 WTMJ. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We got a great podcast called the SWAT Podcast. Annex Wealth Management Investment Team comes out Monday mornings. So if you want to know what those guys are thinking about, that is for you wherever you get your podcasts. This show on demand at the top of the hour on Spotify. In the studio, Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist, Annex Wealth Management, Dave Spano, as President and CEO. Thanks, Danny. You know, we ended last segment talking about having a balanced portfolio. And the reason why we had a, someone come in with a portfolio this week that they want us to look at, and it was 100% equities, and they were looking at the returns, and we talked to them about risk-adjusted returns. And when we looked at that portfolio, they were very tech-centric, mm-hmm. all equities, Brian, and then we, we went through the portfolio. But when you talk about building a portfolio, international stocks are part of that as well, despite all of the geopolitical risk all over the world. Yeah, when we're looking at international stocks on the investment committee, we actually look at them through the lens of these are companies that oftentimes are trading at lower valuations than U.S. counterparts. And if we go into a period where if the Federal Reserve is likely to cut rates before somebody like the Bank of England or the European Central Bank, we could see the dollar go down in value. Then that actually makes us a little bit more excited about some of those international stocks from that valuation perspective. And then also the currency. If you think about investing in a non-U.S. business, you're not only buying their shares of stock, you're also 
investing in their currency. And so if the dollar goes down in value, you're getting a little bit of a double benefit there if we do some of, see some of that dollar weakness. And so let's talk a little bit about that because people might hear this and go, have you not read the newspaper? Do you not <laughs> see what's happening in the Middle East and Ukraine and China? I mean, it's certainly cause for concern. It does. And that's one of the things that we talk about extensively on the investment committee is all of these geopolitical issues and how it may or may not affect the markets. I think a key thing to kind of wrap your head around why the market might do what it does despite some of these issues is what does it matter to the bottom line of company XYZ? Pick your favorite company and just ask what is the link between what's going on in the Red Sea mm-hmm. and like the profits of Apple. Now, it might be a rather circuitous route to get there. It will have some sort of effect. It is likely to have a bigger effect on, say, energy companies. And so when we look at some of these geopolitical issues, we like to think about what are the companies that perhaps are beaten down already as a result of this being priced in and that we could see some sort of recovery or some sort of rebound if things either resolve or the flip side is if it actually escalates. So we're talking about energy, but there's also shipping companies that made some news this week. Yes, absolutely. Uh, two of the biggest shipping companies in the world announced that they are going to stop transit in the Red Sea because they have been uh, really subject to attacks by Houthi rebels. Uh, And it's an incredible situation over there. And if you think about the volume of trade that goes through like the Suez Canal, that's 12% of global trade volume. That's going to likely become challenged. You look at what's going on in Panama as far as with the drought conditions, 5% of global trade goes through there. Now, it's not to say that the trade is going to be cut off, but it will likely need to be rerouted. And that means more expense. And then that affects the bottom line. It could also affect some inflationary pressure. So we talked about inflation and interest rates and coming down in 2024. But this next week, we're going to have a lot of real estate related news coming from the economy. Yeah, I'm really excited about this upcoming week. I mean, this past week was really exciting as far as with the Fed meeting, retail sales, industrial production. But I really like looking at the housing market. I know a lot of home builders. We talk to a lot of them as far as what are some of their big challenges. And we're going to be getting the home builder sentiment numbers out as far as what are they thinking. Uh, This past week, we actually did get some reports from uh, Lennar, one of the biggest uh, home builders. And they are experiencing this profit margin contraction. Volumes are good for them, but they're taking a bit of a haircut because of these price concessions. They have to subsidize mortgages to get the rate down below, say, like 6%. And if we do see some of this rate pressure come off, maybe that could be a bullish thing for some of these home builders. And for some of these home builders, we're going to see that with the home builders coming out on Monday, building permits on Tuesday, and existing home sales on Wednesday. And so, folks, if you've been out looking for a house, there may be a change coming in 2024. And then finally, on Friday, we're going to get the personal income spending report. That's an exciting one because the Federal Reserve, their official inflation measure is the PCE deflator, the personal consumption expenditure deflator. And that comes out on Friday. A lot of people look at the consumer price index, which came out this past week, better than expected. Actually, the PCE is probably going to be even better. And if we talk about these economic news in relation to what it could mean for your portfolio, we did a lot of these reviews here at the end of the year and this past week. And make sure you know what you own why you own it, and how much you're paying for it. And I can't pound the table more than this, Danny, because we see so many people come in and they really don't know what is in your portfolio or why it's there. 
we have affixed the Annex Wealth Management Portfolio Review. It's a no-nonsense look at what you got, what's working, what might not be, and what could improve. And our in-house team takes it seriously. We're going to talk about that process next. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? When Dave Spano says, know what you own, it's not just a marketing phrase. To help explain what that means, I'm joined by Trevor Nargis, Supervisor Trading Team at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Trevor. Hey, Danny. Happy to be here. When we invite people to click that Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com, it puts a couple of things into motion. The wealth manager establishes contact, talk things over learn more about the person or the person involved, and then work to gather material the investment team will use for analysis. Trev, what does that team need to begin? Yeah, it's actually pretty easy. Typically, the most useful information for us is just going to be your recent statements. That'll help give us a lot of the information we need, such as what investments someone might hold and the quantities of various stocks, bonds, ETS, mutual funds, you name it, that might be held in an account. When you and the team have that stuff, what's the process? Just put it in the blender? <laughs> in a way, in a way. but I want to give a big shout out to our data analytics team. They play a big role in helping us compile all of that data that's provided. They put all that relevant information I alluded to from the statements into a format that myself and the investment team can then work with. When that happens, as you're pouring through that data, are things starting to pop up? Yeah, we start to see some higher level insights of what's going on underneath the hood, but we can see a lot of stuff pop up because we deal with a wide array of unique individuals with different situations and different backgrounds. We can see things like accounts with a laundry list of positions or maybe only a few individual stocks. You know, we can also see things where people might have lots of accounts scattered all over the place or even at different advisors and custodians. Does a lack of diversification at some point start to emerge? So yeah, we will see a multitude of different accounts and we take all that into account when looking at both the individual account level and the overall household level. But with the lack of diversification, we see a lot of different things, but we can see both under diversification and over diversification. For example, we could see a large concentration in a small handful of something like healthcare stocks or even a big chunk of the portfolio invested in one single company. Now on the flip side, we'll sometimes see over diversification via someone owning several different targets date funds and or asset allocation funds. So those products in and of themselves aren't inherently bad because at its core, diversification is a great thing for many individual investors. However, by owning several of those previously mentioned products, you know, you can end up with a lot of overlapping investments and create redundancies within the portfolio. We're with Trevor Nargis, Supervisor Trading Team at Annex Wealth Management, talking about the Annex Wealth Management Portfolio Review. How about risk? Can you see when something's riskier than a client should have? Yeah, so that comes down to us looking at the overall account, but also individual positions. So we kind of balance all that along the way. We can look at how aggressive are the equities. Are you maybe geared more towards growth names versus value names, things like that. But what's really important to take into account is risk appetite versus risk tolerance, if you will. That's always super important to note. I'm sure you see portfolios that are loaded up with proprietary investment products. And to be clear, that's an investment that was invented, the XYZ advisory company, Super Duper Fund, right? You see those things. Yeah. So there's instances where you could see someone who comes over from another advisor and maybe their whole portfolio consists of that firm's product. So that could be a lot of, you know, that firm's own ETFs and mutual funds. Maybe they're good. Maybe they aren't. This could be because the firm might make commissions off of having their clients in a select list of products, which might incentivize who's ever constructing the portfolio to put the client into those products, even though there could be better options elsewhere. It's important to note, you know, Annex, we don't operate that way. We're a fee-only fiduciary. So we aren't tied to one fund company, and we have a broader universe of investments to choose from as a result. 
to the investment team and they've done the forensic analysis, we can then get back with the prospective client and with the wealth manager, lay things out in black and white. Yeah, that's exactly right. The whole goal of the analysis is to slice and dice the portfolio and point out what we see. We can talk through what's good and where there might be room for improvement. Now, if we see areas where improvements can be made, we definitely want to make that known and have a conversation around it to help someone better understand what they might own and why they own it. You know, our team looks into a wide array of things such as factor exposure, sector, country, fundamental data points, etc. And we want to talk through all that. Our local investment team is not hidden, Trevor. It's not uncommon to see you guys engaged with wealth managers and clients in person and on Zoom. No, so not at all. I mean, our team does a weekly podcast called The Swap Podcast. It's available on an array of platforms for anyone in the public to tune into. But like you said, Danny, we routinely have members of the team jumping into meetings to discuss what we're seeing, what we're watching, and what we're doing within portfolios. Yeah, I see it all the time, and I think it's really effective. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning, it's what we do as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Trevor Nargis, Supervisor, Trading Team at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Danny. Saturday, December 16th, still to come, Ask Annex, plus a conversation about NUA, Net Unrealized Appreciation. It's a big part of what we do for business executives as part of Annex Executive. Bottom of the hour, time for news. For that, we head to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Let's do Ask Annex in the studio. we got Fred Coleman, a CFP and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Thank you, Danny. Hey, we got Matt Morsey, CFP and investment team manager. Welcome to you. Hey, Danny. Another reminder, if you got a question for us, we love to hear from you. Just head to our website, AnnexWealth.com, and look for that Ask tab. If we can help for investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, it's the Get Started button. Question number one on Ask Annex, I am still working. I've got a 401k with my employer, and I've designated some of my contributions to the Roth 401k. Under the recent tax law changes, I am not required to begin taking RMDs out of my retirement account until I'm 75. Am I correct in understanding that beginning in 2024, I will not need to take RMDs from my Roth 401k? Does that mean that once they begin, the amount of my RMDs will be based on the totals in my retirement accounts, excluding my Roth 401k? Starting in 2024, RMDs are no longer required from your designated Roth accounts in your 401ks. RMDs are still going to be required from all of your pre-tax accounts. The current age for that is age 73, but this will increase to 75 starting in 2033. Next up on Ask Annex, when you max out your annual IRA contributions, what is the next logical investment vehicle? First, you want to max out all the tax advantage accounts. So the IRAs, the 401ks, HSAs. After that, there's a few options. For most people, the brokerage account would be the logical next step because it gives you the flexibility to pretty much invest in whatever you want without any strict rules or rules as far as when you can access the funds. You can also look at stock options if your company offers those. If you can get a discount to buy some company stock, sometimes that can be attractive. You can also look at your company's 401ks for opportunities to do mega backdoor Ross, voluntary after-tax contributions. Depending on your situation, any of those could be a good next step. Yeah, this is what I really think is cool about financial planning. There's so many different variables that you can pick from in terms of how to save and what's the right way to do that. And everybody's situation is really going to be unique to them specifically, whether it's traditional versus Roth, whether it's IRA versus 401k or HSA, and deciding what is right for that person. You know, how old are you? How soon are you close to taking money out of those accounts? What that breakdown is, is so unique to each and every single person. That's one of the things I think that we really do well here at Annex and it's just really cool to watch our financial planning team and our wealth managers help clients out with that. 
Ask Annex, got a question for us, you head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask tab. Don't have to be a client for that. Question number three on Ask Annex. I see articles again saying the 4% withdrawal rate is back. Is it? Yeah, there's a lot of assumptions that go into that 4% rule, so I'm not really a big fan of following it because, again, like Matt said, it assumes everyone has the same situation. It assumes that you retire at a certain age, assumes that you have a certain allocation within your investments, and most importantly, it doesn't account for some of those unpredictable circumstances where you'll need to withdraw more than 4%. I think it's more important to develop a flexible cash flow plan in retirement that fits your unique circumstance. So the math behind the 4% rule, most of the time it does actually work, but we know that retirement is more complex than a math equation. Yeah, I think one of the biggest benefits uh, recently into the 4% rule or things like that is fixed income. You're starting to get yield back in fixed income. Over 5% in a money market right now, the 10-year Treasury did hit five. It's back down to about the mid fours right now. But now that you're getting yield within fixed income, it's so much easier to hit some of those withdrawal rates. You're getting paid on that amount to have there. It's much more conservative than having to rely on equity market price appreciation in order to have the funds to be able to withdraw. So I think fundamentally, it's probably a little bit easier than it was a couple of years ago to be able to get that. Because you know when you think of the 60-40 that we talk about a lot, that 40% of it actually is giving you something now. So it's going to really help that out. And especially as you get into retirement, you're pulling that money out, getting yield on the savings that you have, short-term bonds, money markets really helps that be a little bit more practical than it was before. And our final question on Ask Annex today, can you explain what a value trap is? And I've been seeing that phrase more and more. Yeah, that's a great question. Something that we talk a lot about internally. So what they're really getting at is when you're looking to buy an individual equity, you know, you're looking to see what the valuation of that or how much you're paying for that specific equity. What a value trap really is, is when you think a stock is really cheap, but it turns out to be cheap for a reason. And that's that value trap part of it. You bought it because it was cheap. Well, it can go lower and it could go even lower after that. And you're buying it because of that reason. And you turn out later on, hey, I got trapped because I thought something was a a unique value there. The market is always telling us things. It's telling us what the forward-looking prospects for a company is. And sometimes companies do sell off because the entire market's selling off, and then you can find value in those unique companies. But if it's selling off for its own reasons, whether the fundamentals of that company are getting worse and worse, whether there's an economic issue ahead that's specific to that industry that it's in or that type of company, sometimes you end up getting trapped in some of those things. So when we talk to active equity managers that we deal with, or even guys on the team here as well too, that their fundamental job is to do equity research, they're always looking at us, hey, I think the stock is cheap, that gets attractively valued from that standpoint and we want to go in, but hey, we want to make sure that as it's trading, we're making sure we're not getting sucked into something that's just a false storyline. I look at it like if you're going to buy a used car, right? The ad may say that it runs good, it has low miles, <laughs> you know, there's a good price, but then underneath the hood, there's rust and oil and all those things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, stock really isn't a good deal, even though the price may be low and some of the fundamentals may say that it's a good deal. Fred Coleman, CFP and a wealth manager, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks. Thank you. And Matt Morsey, CFP and an investment team manager. Thank you. Thank you. NUA, net unrealized appreciation. If you're a company executive facing the challenge of sorting out company stock, that's exactly what Annex Executive can help you do. We'll take a break and talk about it next. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Brandon Lehman, director of Annex Private Client, as well as a wealth manager and a CFP at Annex. Welcome back. Danny. Annex Private Client, busy part of what we do at Annex. Before we get going, what's that elevator speech? You know, when you think about it, there's Annex, right? There's comprehensive 
of wealth, there's Annex Ignite. Well, Annex Private Client is a little bit more complex, right? It's for those folks that have reached that financial stage of their life where things have become complex from either an estate tax standpoint, just a regular tax standpoint, an investment standpoint, where there's a little bit more that has to be done, and, and frankly, a lot more. But you're looking at a team approach where it's instead of meeting with the estate planning attorney maybe once every three years, this is an annual discussion with a lot of moving parts. So it's just a level of complexity, a level of net worth that really means there's more going on. So there's a little bit more that goes into it. I'm sure what we're about to talk about plays into that space. And this is a conversation about NUA, what it is, how does it impact our clients who are business executives? Let's start by defining NUA. NUA, net unrealized appreciation, is the opportunity for somebody who's worked for a publicly traded corporation where that corporation has allowed them to purchase stock inside their 401k, right? Inside their qualified retirement plan. And typically where we see this is folks who have a longevity at the firm, right? They maybe started at an entry-level job and have worked their way up, but the entire time have purchased stock. And as they've purchased that company stock, it's just, it's grown and it's grown and it's grown. And now all of a sudden you might have a large 401k, $2 million 401k, one and a half million of it is your company's stock. Now what do you do? That's a good news, bad news thing, right? It's a great news, (laughs) what do I do now type thing. Tax planning runs through nearly everything we do on behalf of our clients. Section 402E4 of the IRS tax code plays a prominent role. I can see you nodding. You know what that is. I do, and it's funny that you use that tax code because really it's just, it's net unrealized appreciation and how do we handle it? IRS states, well, you can take this stock we just talked about out of your 401k and move it to a brokerage account or a non-retirement account, but there's some stipulations and and one of them is you have to pay tax on it. But this is a great opportunity to change how that stock is taxed because if it stays in that 401k, that's taxed as income in the future. So you you get out into retirement, well past retirement, and now you need to start taking it out. Well, you're going to pay income tax versus capital gains rates, which are different and they're taxed differently. So that is where the IRS said, you know what, you've done a great job saving. Surprisingly, let's give you an opportunity here to be a little bit more tax efficient. Now, you gotta do it right. And what I mean by that is their thresholds or what we call them internally are gates, right? You have to hit certain gates to be able to accomplish this and do it appropriately. If you don't hit those gates or maybe you've done something that basically cancels out an opportunity for that gate, I use air quotes, then it can't be done. So working with a professional like us and Annex and and the team we have here is so important because we need to check first and foremost, have you met those gates and have you not done anything to cancel out one of those gates? These are people who obviously are pretty good at what they do, but this isn't maybe their thing. Oh, these people are fantastic at what they do, right? They, They probably started entry level, which is traditionally what you see to have a really large anyway, not always. And they've made it to an executive level where they're really good at what they do, whether it's human resources, whether it's technology, whatever it is. But this, this is tax code and they just don't know. It's no fault on their own because the vast majority just don't know tax code. So you have to dive deep into the code, understand what it means, and then do it right. That's where the biggest issues come up is people try and do it themselves or think they know what they're doing and they do it wrong. Then all of a sudden there's a tax implication and it could be a severe tax implication if it wasn't done appropriately, the gates weren't checked or you didn't go through the proper procedures. And we at Annex have developed with our team basically a checklist line by line by line that has to be done in an order for us to get this taken care of. 
How crucial is timing? Is there a small window? That's where the gates come in. And I'm not going to go through each and every gate here, but timing is crucial. Age is crucial. All of it lines up and has an impact. Really, if, if you're in your mid-50s and you've left a job where you still have the stock, it's a great time to start talking about it. But we have to do it right. And, and that's the key. It just has to be done right. Before we let you go, if you are a business executive in the audience and you'd like to know more about Annex Executive Program, that's part of your world as well, right? That is. So just it's working with executives, whether they're business owners or executives of publicly traded corporations. How can we help you be either incredibly efficient with the assets you have coming in, the wealth you've built, or if you're a business owner, how can we help offer the right opportunity for your senior leadership team that goes a little bit above and beyond just retirement savings? Huge topic, tough to cover in six minutes. If we can help folks, head to our website. It's AnnexWealth.com. Brandon Lehman, Director of Annex Private Client, also a wealth manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Danny. We're going to take a quick break, but we are going to be back. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. We're back. This show going to be available as a podcast at the top of the hour. If you came in partway through or if you're listening out to us on demand, that's where you'll find it. I'm Danny Clayton. In the studio, Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist, Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano is our President and CEO. Thanks, Danny. You know, Brian, you and I spent a lot of time on the private client group uh, for Annex Wealth Management, and we had a lot of folks come in over the last couple of weeks and saying, will you take a second look at what we're doing here today? This is really a big part of how the portfolios are comprised. So someone comes in from a well-respected brokerage firm, Mm -hmm. and they show us the statement, and we're very kind to the other folks. But when we go through it, we say, how is it positioned? We saw a lot in the preferred stocks and quality of the bonds that caught your attention. Yeah, it's been really interesting. And I do have to let people know that when you come in for a portfolio review, it's not like we're just going to badmouth everything that's in the portfolio and say, hey, right. this is what Every should Every decision be. you've ever made is wrong. That, Every decision that, that person's ever that's made right. is wrong. We don't do that. Because, right? uh, I mean, oftentimes there's good ideas that are in there. The securities are in there for a particular reason. And also, we want to be sensitive to a transition plan as far as how is it that we can go from what you have to maybe something that is more aligned with your longer-term financial goals in a very tax-efficient way. Now, for some people... And let me just take an executive privilege on that. A lot of times, uh, recently, we've had people come in and they've been in annuities Mm -hmm. that have 10-year surrender charges, and they're kind of stuck in these things. And people forget, you know, when they say there's no commission and it's tax-efficient, and then we look at them, and these people are stuck in these things. Yeah, that is a key thing as far as if you get it, yeah, you buy it because it's tax efficient, but then you ignore some of the other risks that are associated with it. And that's one of the nice things is that we can come in and really take that unbiased view of what's in there, what's working, what might not be. And in this past week, we were looking at a number of portfolios as far as you had mentioned about like the quality of the bonds and the preferred stocks that were in there. Uh, We do like some of the bonds and preferred stocks in general, I would say. Some of them have done very well as rates have come down. But there are all sorts of nuances to each one. Like if you own an individual bond, you really should look at the covenants. What are your protections as an owner of that? If you're looking at preferred stocks, what are all the provisions as far as is the company able to redeem it? That is, are they able to buy it back? Is the dividend that it pays out, is it qualified? So is it actually tax efficient for you? And then if the interest rates change, how does the payment that you get to receive does that fluctuate as well? So there's all these wonderful details. You can't just go based upon the name. And 
I think that's one of the challenges in these days is there are so many ETFs, exchange-traded funds, and mutual funds out there. People buy them just based on the name without actually looking at what's in there. And so you look at some of those, then you look at some of those holdings, and the people might think they're diversified, and they may not be. So when we do an X-ray, we dig down deep into those things. But here's the other thing that that caught our attention too this week is you know the world changes, and it's changing faster now than in my nearly four decades in this <laughs> business. But as the market changes, you have to be able to adjust to it, and that's the reason why liquidity to us is such an important factor. Is if the world changes, that mm-hmm. you can get out of it, that you're not stuck in something. Yeah, and I think that's a key thing as far as when you're mentioning the annuities. Imagine if you had purchased it, you're locked in for 10 years and you bought it when rates were, you know, let's say where they were about uh, 12 months ago, as opposed to where they are today. There's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And so the, the ability to really reposition the portfolio, use the liquidity. Now, you don't want to overvalue liquidity. That's one of the things that, especially in the private client area, we can look at different structures, different investments that don't have quite as much because they don't need it. But as long as the client knows what they're getting into. And that's the key. I got a question for yes. you. Yes, sir. The Otani contract. Yeah. <laughs> New Crazy. LA Dodgers. Yeah. What what's the buzz? Now you're a sports fan, but yeah. you're also a, you know, financial planning professional. Yeah. What's the buzz in the industry about the way that he deferred that compensation? I think it's brilliant. I think we brilliant. thought it was brilliant. Yeah, of course you're deferring it. Now, you know, there's this crazy thing of time value of money and he's deferring some of that way out, but taking that income up front is very interesting. Long after he's retired, Danny, he'll be getting paychecks and that's happened before in Major League Baseball. So he just didn't sign this. He went to somebody that knew what they oh, were doing. Yeah, this, is the, this is the Listen, plan. When you get thing. $700 million, you should have a whole team of accountants and lawyers and planners. Brian, as an economist, did you look at that at all? I did. I loved it. And I suspect that after he starts getting those bigger payments, he's probably going to move to Florida with no income tax because why would he stay in California, one of the highest tax states, when he's collecting that fat paycheck? That's what Bobby Bonilla did. He right. moved out of New York down oh. to Florida. Right. So there's $700 million, but you know what? That's crazy. For anybody, it's just good planning that you need. Oh, that's a crazy amount, isn't it? I mean, it's just mind-boggling. Just mind-boggling. Dave Spano, our president and CEO, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Ryan Jacobson, chief economist, thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, every day we make choices. Make a choice today. Put things in order for 2024 and beyond. If it's been bugging you, if you know you should put things in place, if you are responsible for your family's financial path, this is the time. Let's get ready together. AnnexWealth.com, the place we are ready. Click that Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. We'll be back here next Saturday at 10. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 620 WTMJ.